So, perfect. Um, time is running. Uh, we are approaching four o'clock, a little bit ahead of time, but I think a perfect timing to take a little bit more strategic view. So, I'm really pleased to welcome you on this panel on fleet renewal, new build options, and a little bit the strategy behind. Um, before we jump into the topic, just let me brief me briefly introduce uh, the panelist. And uh, I would like to start with uh, Laura Lang Lagerlöf, Managing Director of Lang Shipping. Um, just beside me, John Likouris. I hope I pronounce it correctly. Very well, very well. CEO of Dorian LPG. Uh, more on the right-hand side, at least from my point of view, it's uh, Konstantin Bark, CEO of MPC Container Ships, and last but not least, uh, Tim Ponat, the CEO of NSB Group. So welcome to this panel, and uh, let me start with um, a little bit broader perspective. We heard a lot about this geopolitical crisis also still the pandemic situation, uh, we have decarbonization pressure. So a lot of things influencing the strategy and uh, even strategy in what we think are comfortable normal times is a challenge uh, to take a look into the next five, 10, 20 years as here we are talking on uh, assets with quite some value, with uh, quite a long operational time. Um, so let me start with Konstantin asking you, how do you direct and tackle these challenges regarding the strategy, mid to long term? Um, are there special sources where you get the needed information on where do you get some security on the decisions you make? Uh, yes, uh, good afternoon, first of all. Uh, thanks for the question, uh, Olaf. Um, obviously, we live in a world that, that is predominated by, by uncertainty, and that is not just the political uh, and macroeconomic environment, it is also um, uh, the question of uh, fuel availability, decarbonization of the industry, and, and there are still a lot of question marks. So. I think that is, I would say, the starting point, and, and at least on, on, in, in my book, that means you need to be a bit more cautious in taking decisions, and you should probably not run into it. We, at this stage, at least have the, the benefit of having um, you know, a good cash flow backlog, so we, we don't necessarily have to renew the fleet tomorrow. We can uh, sit and wait. I think in this market environment, one has to be a bit more selective in decisions, um, in particular when it comes to new builds. But one should also not sit on, 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 on his hands, uh, in a way. So the way we have approached it is, first of all, we, we are very actively engaged in, in various initiatives. We, we take part, in, for example, in the Merce McKinney Center of Zero Carbon Shipping. Uh, we have seconded uh, a colleague there. We, we are actively um, exchanging views with others in the industry, because I think you will not be able to, to tackle these, these challenges on your own. Um, we are also invested in, for example, a, a synthetic fuel uh, startup. So, so we are kind of making human resources as well as capital available uh, in order to, you know, um, intensify the exchange with others and get a broader picture. Having said that, 
we, we're also actively involved in, in new builds, um, uh, for example, dual fuel methanol vessels that we have ordered because I believe you can sit on the sideline and wait, but you also need to get some sort of exposure, also financial exposure, to, to really um, uh, step up the learning curve. So it is a matter of you know, making resources available, interacting with others, and, and certainly working, working, try to work hand in glove with, with the customers, because in the end we are just tonnage providers, at least our end, so we would always listen and interact with, with our customers. And on the back of that, we have, for example, developed uh, dual fuel methanol vessels with a 15-year time charter attached. So, so this is kind of, in, in our view, the way to move forward, selective on growth, yet getting exposure and then also transacting um, and uh, yeah, extend the uh, learning curve in a way um, and, and take that as we go. But not rush into things, be patient, but not sitting on your, your hands is probably my uh, position at this stage. Thank you very much, Konstantin. So, uh, very comprehensive answer, um, already addressing a lot of items that I just have in the back of my head. Um, but, may I take, Laura, is there something uh, from your perspective, uh, as I guess your company is a little bit different from MPC, um, is there something that influences your strategy in a little bit different direction? Well, at least I could say that you, you were mentioning that not rush into things, so <clears throat> probably many would see us as uh, an owner who truly has rushed into things and taken our size, small family-owned ship owner from Finland, and now suddenly, well, we have 10 vessels uh, in the water sailing, and then now suddenly six new buildings on order, so uh, many could uh, truly think we have rushed into <laughs> ordering, and yeah, it's uh, our strategy... We are placed far away in Finland, and maybe we don't get all the information as fast as everybody here in Hamburg. And we can always and exchange views. Yeah, yeah. I, I learn a lot in these discussions when I sit with people in, and listen listen to the panel discussions here. But um, yeah, well, it it is uh, something that uh, how we ended up ordering so many vessels now at the moment. So we used simply the opportunity we had customers who, who were keen to go through the deals and, uh, and then we just uh, cold-headed thought that okay, let's, let's do it. Now it's the opportunity and these opportunities do not come every day and, and let's do it. In a way, we can of course then comfort ourselves with that, that most likely we will have the vessels in our fleet for 20-30 years, all going well. And there will be times when we think that, oh, it, it was a horrible mistake to make this place these orders and then hopefully after latest 10 or 15 years we will <laughs> think that okay maybe it, it in the end was a good decision anyway so luckily uh, placing new building orders there will come good times and bad times during the lifetime of the vessel so that way I, I don't think it's so critical necessarily when you make a new building order because it's impossible anyway to know where, what will be in the next few years then maybe, John, as you are running on a, a very special segment, LPG, um, is there something that influences your strategy um, a little bit different uh, to what we have heard? Or is it more or less the same factors, the same uh, KPIs, whatever drives you? Uh, uh, thank you very much, Olaf. 
Um, I think that uh, the transition into uh, dual fuel engines was something that uh, was coming for a long time. The LPG engine came a bit late uh, for us to move on to LPG engines. We wanted to have LPG engines back in 2013 and 14 when we were ordering the ships, uh, the fleet that we have. Uh, but unfortunately, the LPG engine was not there. Uh, it does. Uh, it is here now, and uh, we have uh, one ship on order, uh, and then we have three ships uh, chartered in. Uh, I think uh, LPG is going to be a good transition fuel for the future. It's a lower carbon uh, emission, one of the best in the industry on a, um, a well-to-wake. Uh, probably much better than most of the other alternative fuels in front of us right now. And, uh, uh, and therefore, we believe that that's a, one of the greater uh, you know, benefits that we get out of working with LPG ourselves. So, and we think it's a great transition fuel for the future. Thank you very much, John. Um, Tim, is there anything to add from your end? Um, I if I'm correctly informed, you have diversified a little bit, not only on containers anymore, but also in tankers. Um, yeah, any specific looking forward? Um, more segments, other segments that came to your mind? Um, yeah, okay, based on our history, we, we've been strong in containers. Uh, over years, we've always managed tankers as well. and. Been in the offshore business wind, with wind turbine installation vessels as well the last 10 years, but um, we of course look into other segments um, going forward. Um, but considering the situation on, um, on on fleet renewal, it is of course at the very moment quite challenging. If you look to the prices, they may come down. On the other side, we have heard today uh, quite often that there's capital enough, uh, so it just looks for the right project, and that's, I think, the the challenge we we, we see all together, and uh, we've seen it from from Constantine as well, or Christian earlier from uh, today from MPC that um, it needs collaboration, right? So. Uh, the market is changing, and as we talk about alternative fuels, uh, for example, methanol or ammonia, that's a risk you need to take, and um, it's hard to find finance uh, without a charter backed uh, to that project. And uh, that, make, that brings all the players, must bring the players uh, closer together. And um, that's something we were working on, and we have currently new builds under construction for one of our owners, but at the very moment he was very, very uh, uncertain about which fuel to take, and um, so from that point of view they are still conventional, which I'm not very happy about, but at the end um, uh, we are, uh, to a certain extent as well, uh, we can only recommend what we do, but the owner at the end uh, makes the decision. So from that point of view, I think uh, collaboration is a key. We have done a project in 2014-15, 5,000 uh, TU LNG uh, propulsion. That We've been very early at that time, but uh, then uh, Krim uh, and U Ukraine, uh, no, the Krim uh, crisis hits us. And this was what we heard today very often, a very particular trade. One area of loading where LNG was available that day already, and one port of discharging 
10 vessels in a row, but that's the, the, the I guess one of the particular topics, at least for us uh, in the years to come, to to bring these uh, parties together on uh, on, on projects to, to drive the change. Because um, uh, at the end we're sitting in one boat, and um, yeah, that must, that's part of our strategy to find the right partners to to make it happen. Thank you. Yes, Laura, please. Yeah, I, I could add to teams that I fully agree with you that. Probably this traditional setup with uh, owners and charters that will, the present situation will force uh, owners and charters to probably cooperate more already at the beginning of a new building project. And, and many vessels maybe are already purpose built for a specific uh, fuel type due to the charter, close cooperation with the charter, because if, if you know on which uh, trade the vessel will be employed, then it's easy to. to some more, uh, or the, some of the alternative fuels, so to say. Exactly. But then again, if, if the new building is, is not uh, dedicated for any specific serv uh, service from the beginning, so then yeah. it's much more difficult to make the decision. And that was exactly the issue in, in, uh, back in 2015 when, when, when this one option uh, uh, failed. Uh, we were looking for, for another charter, but then it was too specific, right? He told us it's a too specific design for today's trade, the, the, the charter or the, the, um, the cargo will not pay. And we may see that this repeats for the new fuels as well. So that if, if we remember the slides earlier today with the fleet renewal program, and then you see that um, it's all around the world, right? But if you start to employ this vessel on specific trades, then of course the volume for these vessels needed is not reflecting the, 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 the fleet to be renewed. So and that's I think something which, uh, it was LNG 2015, right? So today LNG is not an issue. Maybe today, as, as Constantine said, it's, it's, it's Massanol where you have a dedicated trade. Maybe in uh, five to 10 years time it looks different, but then there are other uh, subjects on the fuel as well. But. That's for a later one, right? <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, I think we are already very much into decarbonization. So I might uh, take a step back and would like to ask you um, to which extent decarbonization really drives your strategy and your decisions. I mean, we have here today more or less in all panels, uh, in all speeches, very much about decarbonization, the most important and driving theme in shipping, I guess. Um, but in practice, what do you think? Um, Laura, maybe start with you? Yeah, yeah, sure. For us, decarbonization is, is um, high on the agenda. And in addition to the ship owning company, we also have uh, uh, other company called Langtech, where we have um, Manufacture scrubbers and uh, now for a few years also pulse um, the treatment systems. And there we are in Langtech, we are now focusing a lot on uh, carbon capture product development. Uh, for sure, shipping needs to uh, go for fossil free fuels. But before we are there, I would say that carbon capture will be also one, one step in the development towards renewable fuels. And uh, 
for, for us, for instance, so uh, we are doing the product development in Langtech for, um, for carbon capture and then uh, the target release that for the new buildings, which we will, uh, the, there is two series that we are building. So for the later series, we are then targeting to have um, a carbon capture system installed around about 2024 and the first vessel will be delivered. So that's, that's kind of a small task we have taken for ourselves to develop <laughs> carbon capture. Yes, John, I, just, I, just, I expect Just like Laura, I, I, we, we were also interested in scrubbers. We built our ships with scrubbers. Yeah. Back in uh, 2015, we took delivery of two ships with scrubbers because we wanted to be there with uh, cleaning our footprint early on. It was, um, uh, and that was the reason also for the dual fuel engine we wanted back in 2013-14, but unfortunately MAN would not produce that. There were other uh, interested parties ahead of us, and uh, uh, we were too small of an industry of LPG uh, carriers. Uh, so we, we installed scrubbers, uh, we did uh, um, 10 scrubber ships uh, in 2020, 19 and 20, uh, and uh, I, I, I wish we had done more, uh, and uh, probably it's we would... It's not too late. You it's, can not, it's, 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 it's never too late, <laughs> and also, of course, car carbon capture. But what, what does that all mean? It all means that the industry is, is not producing ships that are... Uh, have a good footprint and uh, uh, as uh, emission-wise, and that we could collaborate as much as we want and talk as much as we want. But if we don't have the products that we could use for better, uh, um, you know, uh, emission profiles, we'll n we're not going anywhere. So I think it starts with the shipyards. I think it starts with you know the mines of this world that need to produce engines that are a lot more uh, um, efficient. In, in, in emissions, and uh, I mean, you know, we will do our share with operational uh, um, uh, improvements and technological improvements as much as we can. The low-bearing fruit of the trade that we can do, and we know what to do to fix the the performance of our ships uh, to meet not only the regulations of tomorrow, but uh, the regulations of the next three, four, five years. However, we need technology to take us forward. Maybe just uh, Olaf from yes. from my side. Um, obviously, decarbonization plays a key role in 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 our decisions as well. But I think it's more the path towards decarbonization that is that is very important. And obviously, the regulation that goes hand in hand with it, the uncertainty that comes attached to the regulation. So I think in in, in most of the decisions today, be it fleet renewal, be it investments in in existing ships, be it interaction with charters. A lot of that is dictated by the, the ultimate uncertainty of how do we actually achieve the uh, decarbonization. And, and at least as far as, as, as we are concerned, I mean, I, I think you need to take certain decisions, but you also shouldn't rush into things. Uh, Laura, back to our uh, discussion earlier, because I think you still, as a company, you still need to earn money, um, right? You, you cannot kind of invest in things that might be outdated tomorrow. So you should, you should take it step by step, in my view. Um, Unless you have enough money to, to do silly stuff, um, we really want to you know, take it step by step. And I think collaboration, as I said earlier, is key because effectively, I mean, we, we wouldn't order as a, as a pure tonnage provider, we wouldn't order ships on, on any 
propulsion technology or fuel um, on speculation uh, in absence of at least some feedback from the market, uh, or ideally, obviously, a charter constellation. So the way we, we have at least entered into our dual fuel methanol project is we have the cargo side on board, which is very unusual for the container industry. So we have a 15-year COA. We have a charter party that is 15-year. So throughout the chain, and I think that is important that projects take way more time. Um, one cannot expect that that comes overnight, um, certainly not in, 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 in the smaller, more niche container segment. And therefore, it requires collaboration. It requires commitments. Uh, and therefore, I think decommunization does its job um, in, in setting targets and making sure uh, we do not overshoot on, on pace in, in entering into any commitments. At least that is the way you know, we take it, and the same applies obviously on the existing fleet. Very important as well. We haven't discussed that a lot on this panel yet, but I would, I would pause here for a second. Uh, but I think that is also very important because that has to, has to go hand in hand with uh, the fleet renewal as such. Thank you very much. Tim? Yeah, exactly to, to Constantine what he said, um, uh, and this is uh, we heard this 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 buzzword uh, today quite frequently, uh, CII, and that's that's the other side of the metal today, right? If you're talking to Shatter and we need to to find uh, um, um, agreements uh, by the end of the year, that um, they used to say that uh, in the past they were bleeding on 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 technology changes and things like that when when we had other things uh, when we were talking about slow steaming turbocharger cutout propeller modification etc what all what we did already but now with the cii as it's so much affected by the ops profile which we do not influence as a tonnage provider i cannot even recommend what retrofit i need to adapt because if they change the ops profile, then um, everything is bust. So, and that makes things even more difficult, right? So, and um, so from that point of view, uh, uh, <laughs> we've been, uh, the owners are currently making uh, quite a good of money, a lot of money, and they provide, uh, let's say, a low seven-digit uh, budget for a retrofit. And I said, I would love to do so, but. As we see from 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 uh, from analysis of our fleet, that uh, before docking the vessel was uh, was was a sea level, and then we thought, okay, it will be B, but the ops profile changed, and then it was suddenly D, even though there was new paint applied and things like that. So, and that makes it so difficult. Uh, it must be joint approach to 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 reach the targets. Thank you very much. This leads to immediately at least two questions from my side. Um, maybe I start with the first one. Um, coming back a bit to the regulations, we heard a lot about CII, and I do not want to go in any detail if it's meaningful, if it's fair. But uh, fair in another aspect, um, what do you think? It is a level playing field between new builds and investments in existing ships? Um, please feel free. Um, uh, anyone else? Uh, step in, okay. So maybe I start on that. Um, and that's exactly what I just referred to, that um, do we compare apples with apples, right? So, so the new build has, of course, an advantage. But um, on, the, on the CII side, we have still uh, issues with this, uh, with this calculation. And um, I know that... One day we need to start with with these rules, and uh, that's absolutely fine. I used to say to my 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 employees and colleagues, uh, 
80-20, right? So we shouldn't wait until it's 100%. We should start and then we should review. But when I hear that they want to review it in three years, then I'm really afraid because uh, we figured out, for example, for our tankers, if instead of uh, waiting on anchorage for cargo, if we are sailing in circles, we improve CII. So, and then I, and this is such an easy calculation. So, why does this formula consider this kind of optimization, right? So, and playing level playing field, as you said. So, um, as we have such a big fleet in operation, we need to have an apple-to-apple -apple comparison between new builds and fleet in operation in, in this uh, ratios, right? So from, that's, from my point of view, an important point. John, you uh, have a very strong opinion on new builds and how, let me say, they should look like in the future. Um, what do you think about um, yeah, a little bit comparing the situations going for a new build? On the back of your decarbonization strategy, that was the reason why we have not we have not gone onto a new building uh, um, uh, program because we don't feel that the the product is good enough for the, for the future. Uh, the the ships that are being built today, with just uh, barely a dual fuel engine, is not enough uh, to make it to 2040. Uh, uh, dual fuel engines will be able to take us through to 2030s, but uh, definitely not in the 2040s. Uh, so you'll need to do more. And of course, well, what is more is uh, a diff different fuel, completely different fuels, or, um, um, uh, or fuel cells, or hybrid fuels, uh, or hybrid vessels uh, that will be able to, to, to go down to zero. Um, so I, I don't see any of that being discussed. Uh, so we are left with the opportunity to uh, do what we could do with our existing fleet, improving our performance, optimizing uh, uh, operationally and technically, and then we're going to look at the carbon capture because that's probably the, uh, the best way to achieve a great uh, uh, result in, uh, in, in, in our emissions. Uh, and, 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 and then we will wait and see what technology can help us go to zero completely in the future. Yes, Laura, please. I, I fully agree with you, John, that uh, carbon capture is, is also, in my opinion, a, a way forward. But one thing, when we were talking here about the regulation, so at the moment it's still lacking from uh, the EEXI, for instance, that uh, carbon capture could be made or done. So there is uh, in the in the regulation box uh, quite a lot still to do to add that because it's it's at the moment not yet there. So I hope uh, I hope that someone here in the audience is also picking up this. And I don't know, maybe it's ongoing. Like but, you mentioned, I'm far away from Finland and we are not getting the latest news. So maybe that's already <laughs> ongoing and uh, <laughs> regulations are are being prepared. But uh, for the moment, it, it's a little bit uh, challenging to even work on product development because you don't quite know how how it would be implemented in the. Regulations. So it's a bit about security by regulations and also we had earlier today that uh, five years security is not enough if you take an investment for 10, 15, 20 years. So yeah, um, also you would identify a gap, right? Mm. 
Um, when it just briefly coming back or shortly coming back to uh, carbon capture because I see a lot of investments in this field from the supply industry going on, a lot of research still done, also um, a lot of plants are ready. Um, for me, it is a little bit dependent on the trade you have because, of course, you need the capacity to store the CO2 on board and then to make it really sustainable you need uh, to have the devices onshore and also to, um, let me say, treat it in a sustainable way, which is not that easy. Um, Constantine, what would your best guess when it comes to more the deep sea shipping, longer routes, different trades? Um, well, I, I agree to, to what you said. Obviously, you need to have the, the capacity to, to, to capture and then to store the, the carbon. So I think on certain trades, it's, it's basically impossible. And, and, and I would actually add that, and, and we also installed a number of scrubbers on our vessels to make that point up front, but I think there are certain technology, such as scrubbers and maybe also carbon capture, that should actually be done onshore and not on board of a vessel, right? So I think there's a lot of uh, technological uh, devices that, that are you know, being pushed on board of a ship um, and the ship should be there to go from A to B as little technology as, as, as necessary, in my view, um, and um, just just go there. So I think carbon capture might be a viable solution um, on, on certain trades, on certain vessel types, uh, but for example, on a large container ship with, uh, you know, going across the Pacific or the Atlantic, um, it doesn't make sense at all because you will not be able to capture the and store the, the CO2 um, on board of the ship. It will be super inefficient. So I think we should, we should rather start onshore to, to work on technology solution onshore um, and everything on board of a ship is, is, is probably on a selective basis a solution, um, but I think it's not the, uh, the final solution to, um, to address the decarbonization of the industry. Um, if we look at CapEx requirements to decarbonize the whole industry, you're looking at 85 to 90% should actually be done onshore, and only 15 to, to 20% should be done on board of the ships, and we're talking billions and trillions of, of dollars. So I, I think the, the solutions, we have to be innovative, and maybe carbon capture is, is one of the solutions that adds to the overall decarbonization, but I think it's, it's not the solution. I, I personally doubt it. But I'm happy to uh, uh, to be educated uh, and, and learn better. But that's at least my view on that subject. But I, I think we are now immediately into the fuel question. Um, because um, I think depending on the performance of your vessel, so where you start, sooner or later, um, you will um, face the question what to do next. And uh, eventually, it's about the fuel. Um, and fuels, for me, is also very closely linked to collaboration. We heard already that there is, um, I call it, fuel competition to be expected between the different industries. Maritime is for sure not alone and uh, not the biggest player globally. Um, so collaboration is key, fully agreed. Um, to be a bit frank on this, it's easy and nice to talk about collaboration, but to get it really done in an open way in practice uh, is a different story. So just what, what is your experience? I mean, some of you mentioned that you are in these decarbonization centers where a lot of stakeholders from Maritime are in, but also your competition is in. Um, what is your experience? So. 
no order, just uh, what are your thoughts? What uh, do you see currently? Room for improvement? Well, I, I think at least there are these bigger initiatives and platforms where there is an, an exchange of information, and I think it's needed. So, so I, would, I would argue, yes, at this stage it's, it's needed, it's taking place, and it's getting better. Is that the collaboration that eventually provides all the solutions to, to our uh, challenges? I, I'm not sure, but I think it's, it's definitely a, a starting point. And to, your, to a point earlier, I mean, obviously, with the different fuels, we are, the shipping industry is in competition with all other industries, basically, on the path to decarbonization. And, uh, I mean, in the past, you know, uh, what we burned on board of ships was, was used to build streets and uh, to fuel a ship, right? Uh, and no competition whatsoever. I mean, on methanol, on ammonia, on whatever, the whole, you know, competitive landscape on who will actually use these fuels will be a completely different one. And people might be less price sensitive or more price sensitive, depending on the state of the respective industry. So I think this is also a very big wild card and question mark going forward. How will actually the, the sourcing and the whole competitive landscape when it comes to sourcing of fuels be, be determined going forward? So I think this, at least for me, is, a, is one of the biggest question marks uh, going forward, how that will actually play out. John, do you have a special experience in this field when it comes to collaboration on um. No, I have not seen any collaboration. We are um, in most of these uh, labs of collaboration where we exchange ideas, but uh, uh, I have not seen anything productive coming out of that for the time being. Uh, maybe it will in the future, and we hope soon, because we need that uh, result to come forward. Uh, for uh, as much as alternative fuels are concerned, I, I, I think everybody is going to try something different uh, and it's just uh, an effort to try to get us to perhaps uh, 2030 or 2040. I repeat again, we need something better than that and we need uh, ships that can do a lot more things than just uh, burn an alternative fuel and uh, ships that can you know, emit less emission. Uh, the industry is doing it, as sure, with various methods. I agree, industry should improve as well. Uh, but uh, I think shipping can improve as well Thank with you. new technologies. Absolutely. Um, maybe time is running, so very interesting discussion. Yes, please. Maybe one, one additional comment, and, and I mean, we have seen a positive outcome out of collaboration as we, for example, ordered dual fuel methanol vessels with various stakeholders involved with long-term commitments, um, uh, the cargo side, the charterer, and us as an owner. So I think this is an outcome of, of, of the process of trying to establish the first uh, you know, green transportation corridor in Northern Europe. Um, and that we, we built these vessels now. Well, will the green methanol be there as of day one? I'm not sure, uh, but it's about optionality. So, so we create optionality, um, and that is an outcome of collaboration. So I think there, there is... And, and I agree, this is a niche, uh, this is a niche um, uh, product, uh, so to speak. It's not broadly available for all the mainland trades or container trades globally, but it's a starting point. And to establish certain green transportation corridors is, is something we at least are ambitious to, to take part in um, and do that in an economically viable way. Um, and, and therefore, I think there, there are a few uh, data points, at least when it comes to successful collaboration, in my view. Thank yeah, you. Very yeah, and I, I also, like we mentioned here earlier, so I think that at least uh, cooperation, collaboration between owners and charters 
has increased already a lot due to the big variety of fuels to choose between. But maybe we could think as, as owners also, should we truly collaborate more? And if, if we make sure that uh, we, or, or yeah, the more vessels there are on order to burn specific fuels, then of course there will also be interest for fuel suppliers to make sure that there is that fuel available and that way possibly we could also contribute to, to a change in use of fuels as Tim, owners. What is, what is your experience in this field? Um, I, I would like to, to, uh, to reply to, to Laura or add something and uh, collaboration. Of course, we talked about charterers and, yeah. and owners, but uh, at the end, it's about sharing knowledge, right? We've had the same with the first scrubbers installed, and then it's about that you share your knowledge, that you're not, how to say, uh, be a closed shop and do not share what you have experienced because um, these new fuels have their own challenges, right? Uh, there's no need to, to go into it, but we heard about ammonia today that maybe two ports and a very specific crew, so it's about... It's a safety issue, it's a training issue, and if you see how many seafarers are out there and need to be educated on these systems, and so that not every one of us is doing his own experience. So I think as well in between the owners, the managers, beside these working groups finding the right fuel, we should team up and sharing experiences on the ops because otherwise if every one of us is doing learning in parallel, we hardly make same mistakes in a very uh, serious business with uh, absolutely important safety requirements as these fuel will be different compared to HFO, right? This brings me a very short time to maybe my last question to you, but just popping up. Um, we talked already about HR, so human resources, um, and uh, what we see is that already now for vessels running on LNG, you need really a trained crew, and uh, it's a quite rare resource. Um, just very shortly to all of you, um, how um, or if and how do you consider um, this crewing aspect, HR aspects in your strategy? Well, education is the first thing that uh, needs to be done. Uh, the, the, the crew, the technical uh, people will have to uh, do take courses. Uh, uh, we are taking delivery of four ships in 2023, which are gonna be dual fuel. Uh, they've already uh, training uh, and courses and uh, uh, we are, um, uh, they have gone to Copenhagen to learn about the dual fuel LPG engine uh, in particular. And uh, uh, so, of course, it is a very important uh, uh, issue uh, to train the crew and to train the, 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 the chief engineers and the chief mates, the um, second uh, engineers and uh, uh, the chief officers of how to operate those ships. Uh, this is uh, a very serious matter, and uh, we have already taken steps for that because that's, that's the only way to do it. Uh, uh, s safely and efficiently. So uh, crew retention or staff retention becomes a little bit higher on the agenda. Absolutely. It's one of the major uh, uh, ways. And I mean, you know, we value our, our crew retention and we, pr we, we pride ourselves on that, which is over 95%. Is this common sense to all of you in the family? Yeah, absolutely. 
absolutely. Yes. And I, I think that could be one area where ship owners could cooperate more to make uh, uh, working at sea more attractive for youngsters uh, to choose it as, as um, when, when considering what to study. Because we, I think we all see that there is a, a lack of seafarers and, and especially engineers. So we need to make sure that Thank work at sea is, is attractive for youngsters. So, unfortunately, I really need to thank all of you already now. We could talk, I think, for at least uh, additional 40 minutes. Um, very interesting insights, for thank me you. at least. Thank I you. hope also for all of you. Thank you. Thank you.